Thanks, Fiona. As, as usual, it would be helpful to have uh, eyes on the order of service. We've got a couple of different passages uh, we'll be referring to uh, as we think about this line from the Lord's Prayer. Uh, give us today our daily bread. Before we uh, engage with this together, uh, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we know that to pray dependent prayers, we need dependent hearts. And for hearts that depend upon you, we need to see you rightly for who you are, and we need to see ourselves rightly for who we are before you. And so we need you to speak to us and reveal that to us. So we ask that you might do that for us now by your grace. Please do a work of your spirit in our hearts that we would depend upon you. And so pray dependent prayers. Amen. Who you and I believe uh, God is shapes uh, when and how we pray. Who we believe God is shapes uh, when and how we pray. Uh, so, for example, if you believe that God doesn't exist, I think we might have a picture, how would that shape uh, how and when you prayed? Just shout out. Well, you wouldn't, would you? What would be the point? If you don't believe God exists, why would you ever pray? Who are you talking to? That'd be no point. Uh, what about if uh, God had uh, kind of wound up the universe and set it running? Uh, but after that, then he wasn't particularly interested in what was going on and maybe only intervened for the big things. Um, how would you pray if that was your view of God? A clockwork universe. Yeah, there'd be no points, would there? Um, if God's not interested, well, why would you talk to him about things? And I suppose conceivably you might think, well, if God only intervenes for the big things, then I might occasionally pray for the miraculous, the huge but certainly not for the day to day. What if I believed, or you believed, that God uh, was like a genie in a lamp or a, a fairy godmother? Uh, what kind of prayers would we pray then? On this side of the moon, we're doing all the work at the moment. Selfish prayers, probably, wouldn't it? Yeah. It'd be, you know, I wish for this, this would make my life better. Uh, it'd be selfish prayers. We'd be at the centre, uh, the genie serves us. Uh, what if we see God as a kind of uh, celestial Scrooge, uh, a sport, sport, miserly figure? What kind of prayers are we going to pray then? If your idea of God is like Mr. Burns from The Simpsons, how do you pray? It's still warming up, aren't we? Sorry, I missed that. I think that's right, isn't it? If you came before him at all, there'd be a sense that, well, he's bound to be reluctant. So I need to grovel. If, if it's not too much trouble, God, could you possibly just give me this little thing? It'd be something like that, wouldn't it? Uh, what if you believe this uh, Benjamin Franklin quote, uh, that God helps those who help themselves? Uh, how might you and when might you pray then? When you're in trouble. Yeah, when you're finally at that point where you can't help yourself anymore. But most of the time, I guess you wouldn't bother because you're too busy helping yourself. If you can do it yourself, why would you ask God to do it for you? Now, I, I hope that if you spend any amount of time uh, amongst the church family and in the Bible, you'll know the God of the Bible is nothing like any of this. 
Uh, the Bible introduces us to a God who, uh, through Jesus, is our Father in heaven. Uh, which means we can pray. God very definitely exists. He's actively involved in the world that he's made. Uh, and the more we get to know this God through Jesus, the less our prayers will be uh, all about me, as if God was my personal genie, and the more they will be all about him, his reputation, his kingdom, his will. And at the same time we'll know that our father, he's not a tyrant or a spoil sport. His rule is good, he loves to bless. He's lavish in fact in his kindness, uh, so we can ask him for anything at any time. He's the God on whom we depend for everything. The idea that we can help ourselves is entirely mistaken. It just isn't the world that we live in. See, who we believe God is shapes how we pray, how often we pray, what we'll pray for. So it's an an interesting exercise. I think it's one uh, that we're encouraged to do on the the little cards uh, for this week. Just to think about our own prayer lives. To ask ourselves the question, what does the way I pray, the things I pray for, the times when I pray, what does that say about who I really believe God to be? It's an exercise worth doing. If we ask each other, who do you think God is? Well, we can give the Sunday school answer. We can give uh, the answer that we know informationally from the Bible. But it's when we look at how we pray, well, that's one of the ways, uh, okay, that's who I really believe God is when it comes down to it. It's a worthwhile uh, exercise to do, just in uh, the quietness uh, of your own home, perhaps. I think it's down for Tuesday. Give that a go. But it's as we see how we truly see God, as it were, uh, what our hearts are like, that we can then begin to apply God's word to think, actually, what do I need to remember about God? What are the things that are missing? How am I caricaturing or twisting God? Because it's as we come to see God as he's revealed himself to be in the Bible that we will pray to him the way the Bible would have us pray to him. But I guess the other thing that comes out from understanding that who we believe God is shapes how we pray is that when God, in the person of Jesus, gives us this pattern for prayer, in doing so, Jesus reveals to us what God is like. So let's have a think together about just this one line from the prayer. Give us today our daily bread. Uh, what does it show us about what God is like? How are we to respond to him then? And what might it look like for us to pray variations uh, on this theme? What are we doing when we pray this line of the prayer? Give us today our daily bread. Uh, I put it there, straightforwardly, we're expressing our dependence upon God every day for everything. Expressing our uh, dependence on God every day for everything. Let's have a think about it together. God is the great giver. We heard that in uh, Acts 17 verse 25 tells us, He himself gives everyone life and breath and everything else. Uh, At the bottom of the the blue sheets there, there's a couple of verses from uh, the book of James. Verse 17 reminds us, every good and perfect gift is from above. See, we depend upon God because everything comes from him. As creator, God gives. As creatures, we receive before anything else. We need him to give to us because without that, we would have and we would be nothing. 
And look at the way that he gives. Uh, God's made a world that is wonderful. It's astonishing in its fruitfulness, its diversity. Uh, I went with the boys this week just down to the garden centre and into their sort of, um, what is it, their sort of mock uh, jungle thing that they've got going down there with the fish and the butterflies and everything. It turns out, anyone there, how many species, this is a random fact, how many species of butterflies there are in the world? 20,000. 20,000 species of butterflies. That's just butterflies. Presumably we could have got by with one. But God in his wonderful creation, 20,000 butterflies. It takes uh, 53 muscles, apparently, to laugh. It's just an extraordinary uh, complexity and beauty and, and wonder to the world that God has made. God makes the rainfall, he makes the sun uh, rise, he makes the crops grow. In contemporary speak, I suppose, he makes uh, our bank transfers flow. He keeps your neurons firing as you earn your salary. He keeps your heart beating as you spend it and enjoy it. See, the more we understand about the mechanics of how all of that happens, the more we should be in awe of the God who gives it to us. The more we should be full of thanks for his provision, the more we should consciously rely on him for all that we have, for all that we are, that all that we hope to be. But we're quick to forget, aren't we? We're quick to forget. Deuteronomy chapter 4 warns God's people as they're coming uh, towards the land. When your herds and flocks grow large and your silver and gold increase and all you have is multiplied, verse 14, then your heart will become proud and you'll forget the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. The danger is the same for us. Instead of feeling our dependence upon God, we become proud. And what happens then? Verse 17 tells us, we'll, we'll look at our lives, the good gifts that God has given us, and we'll think, my power and my strength have brought about all of this. It's all down to me. None of it's down to you. See, pride and self-reliance, they go hand in hand because they're both symptoms, fruit of the same thing. Putting ourselves at the centre, relying on ourselves. And what, what happens once we start to uh, take the credit for God's generosity? Well, we congratulate ourselves instead of praising him. We come to trust ourselves instead of trusting him. We rely on our own strength instead of depending on his. And when that happens, all kinds of things stop. So we begin to depend less and less on his word. We begin to meet less and less with his people because we don't need their encouragement. And our prayer life dries up. See, what we believe about God shapes how and when we pray. And there's no point in praying to God if I can do it myself. There's no point in asking God for anything if I'm relying on myself for everything. See, pride and self-reliance, they're the, the enemies of prayer. Now, what can we do to battle them? Well, as in so many areas of the Christian life, God gives us uh, regular disciplines, regular patterns that will help us to uh, guard our hearts. Uh, dependent prayer is one of those. It's good for our hearts. The act of uh, depending upon God helps us not to forget him. It reminds us who he is, the great giver, who we are. Creatures who depend upon him for everything. Getting on our knees 
is a blow to our pride. If you're struggling to pray, if your heart's not in it, you can do worse. Then just list before God all the things that you depend upon him for. Uh, Physically, financially, relationally. You can lift your eyes and consider all that he's given you spiritually. The relationship that you have with him through Jesus. The the future he offers you because of all that Christ has done. Uh, You can do worse than uh, picking maybe a, a famous passage from the Bible. Psalm 103. Reminding your soul of all God's benefits. Ephesians 1, reminding yourself that uh, through Christ you have every spiritual blessing. Pray those, rehearse those, sort of knead them into your hearts. You could start just by making that list of all the things that you depend upon God for, all the good gifts that he gives you. You'll never complete the list. But the exercise of doing it will puncture our pride. And it will move us to praise God and to thank him. If you're in the habit of uh, thanking God, if that is part of the discipline of your prayer life, you'll have begun to realise why the New Testament talks so much about rejoicing and thanksgiving being uh, a bread and butter, a staple part of our prayers. See, the God on whom we depend is great. We honour him when we express our dependence. It's good for our hearts to do that. And God loves it when his children rely upon him. Small wonder then that Jesus gives us this line as a pattern for our prayers. See, as we pray, give us today our daily bread, we're consciously expressing our dependence upon God. And Jesus says we're to do it every day. Give us today our daily bread. So a pattern of uh, continuous dependence upon God. See, the Christian life is a life of ongoing, continuous dependence upon God's grace. It's not a one-off commitment. We don't just pray a prayer or, or get baptised or get confirmed and then we're done. We can just carry on as we did before as if nothing had happened. It's a continuous, ongoing, day-to-day commitment. Uh, the most famous uh, daily bread in the Bible is the, the manna uh, that God uh, gives to his people as they wander through the desert six days a week. God has uh, rescued them from slavery in Egypt. Uh, He's taking them to the promised land. And as they journey with him along the way, he provides everything that they need. Well, so too with God's people today. He's rescued us from slavery to sin. He's taking us to the new creation, that ultimate fulfilment of the promised land. And as we journey with him in the meantime, he provides us with everything that we need. Everything we need to keep going. Now, how do we know if we believe that? Amongst other things, it will be expressed in our day-to-day dependence upon God in prayer. If you went a day without food, if you're anything like me, you'd notice pretty quickly. Your stomach would be grumbling, you'd be aware perhaps of your physical weakness. Uh, And other things pretty quickly would get pushed to one side or they'd have to wait until you've gone and you've got some food from somewhere. I wonder how that would work with prayer. Go day without prayer. Would you feel the lack as quickly? Would you feel, would we feel our, our spiritual weakness? Would we be as quick to put other things to one side in order to ensure that we'd pray? See, the pattern Jesus gives us here, it's not a kind of 
binge spirituality where you go for ages without praying and then you pray heaps all in one go. It's a constant dependence upon God day to day. Now don't hear me wrongly, retreats are great at protecting time to, to pray a, a particularly large amount when a, a concentrated burst is a great thing to do. I wish I was better, but I try to, to block out uh, days and half days in my diary uh, to be able to do that. I, I hope you get opportunities in your life to do similar things. Uh, in a sense, to really enjoy and, and, and lavishly spend time in prayer is a great thing to do. But it's not what you, will keep you going as a Christian. The, the bedrock of the Christian life and Christian growth is just this pattern of conscious, continuous, dependent prayer. The Lord's Prayer expresses our dependence upon God every day for everything. If you wanted a third C there, it would be complete dependence. See, the the lesson Israel uh, were to learn in the desert was that they needed to rely on God for everything. That for life, they needed not only uh, food from heaven and shoes that didn't wear out, but they needed the word of God. Deuteronomy 8 verse 3, famous words that we heard on on the lips of Jesus in in the desert being tempted. The lesson they needed to learn was that God's people don't live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. We're dependent upon God for everything. Physically, relationally, spiritually, we need him to provide everything for life. Again, do we believe that? Well, take a look at how you pray, and you'll see the extent to which you do. See, the Lord's Prayer is not a prayer of last resorts. You know those kinds of prayers? I pray days. Where I've I've tried everything else, uh, and I've tried in my own strength, with my own energy, with whatever skills I have to to fix the problem, whether it's uh, fixing a relationship, getting a job, sorting out housing, whatever it is. I've tried everything I can for often quite a long time, but finally, when I'm at the end of my own resources, at last, I'm humbled to pray. God finally, if you like, forces me to my knees. I don't know, am I the only one who prays like that? The prayers of, of last resort? Maybe I'm burying myself too much. See, that's the danger, is that in our pride, in our self-reliance, we only pray when we're absolutely forced to. Now, I'm, I'm grateful to God that he's brought me to my knees time and time again when I am at the end of my own resources, that he has humbled me. But in my better moments as well, I'm sad and I'm sorry that I am so slow to learn and so hard-hearted. My heart needs to grasp who God is in order that I might pray to him more dependently. Jesus says to all of us who are following him, Christian, your heavenly father is not the person you go to as your last resort. He's the loving father who you live your life with and who you bring everything to And our prayers can recognise that reality. That is wisdom, to enjoy that relationship. To put it another way, we're not to uh, only go to God for the things that we can't do in our own strength. He's the God who gives us our strength and everything else. It's not weakness to recognise that, it's wisdom. 
So there it is, this one line of the Lord's Prayer. We're expressing our dependence upon God every day for everything. Conscious, continuous, complete dependence upon him. So what does it look like to riff on this prayer, to, to pray variations on it? Uh, as with any other line, uh, we get pointers in God's word for how we can do that. And I printed one at the bottom of the, uh, the blue sheets there. See, what we shouldn't do is get to this line of the Lord's Prayer and think, phew, thank goodness, I can pray about myself now. I've got the polite introductory stuff about the, out the way, your kingdom, uh, your will, your name, all fine, brilliant, but now, great. Now I can pray about my needs. It's all about me now. Let me suggest, actually, the question to be asking ourselves is, if I can ask anything and everything that I might need for today, then knowing what I know about who I am and knowing what I know about what might come up today, what do I need so that I might hallow God's name? So that I might advance his kingdom? So that I might do his will? What do I need for that? See, God is still at the centre of this prayer. It's not that we've suddenly shifted gear, totally shifted the centre of gravity, and now it's suddenly all about us. Now, what is that going to look like? We can take the example of Proverbs 30, which is printed there, verses 17 and 18. Here's, if you like, an Old Testament riff, a variation being played on, on this line of the Lord's Prayer. Uh, what, does, uh, what does the prayer say? Give me neither poverty nor riches, but give me only my daily bread. That's pretty extraordinary. It's not a prayer for uh, extravagant riches. There's no hint of a lottery win here. Why not? What, what determines how this person understands his needs? Well, verse 9 tells us. Give me neither poverty nor riches, otherwise I may have too much. And disown you and say, who's the Lord? So here's someone who's learnt the lesson of Deuteronomy 8. He's alive to the danger that wealth could cause him to forget God. That his comfort could in some way anaesthetise him to his at need of God. And so his concern is for a provision that would enable him to keep journeying with God towards uh, the fulfilment of all God's promises. To live with God as his king, doing his will, rather than forgetting him. And why is he concerned about poverty? Is it because he's really attached to his creature comforts? No, he's concerned that he might become poor and steal, and so dishonour the name of his God. See, his priority is that God's name be honoured, be hallowed. It's great, isn't it? Hundreds of years before uh, Jesus instructs his people with the Lord's Prayer, the Old Testament gives us a riff of a variation on this line, fleshing out what it would look like to pray this line of the, the Lord's Prayer in the light of the first three petitions. There's all kinds of ways we can do that for our needs and the needs of other people. What, what do we need from God so that we can honour his name, advance his kingdom, do his work. That's what it means to pray variations on give us today our daily bread. I don't know what in your heart of hearts you think God is like. I don't know how you pray, when you pray, what you pray for. But I hope you already are discovering as we work our way through the Lord's Prayer that it's given to us to help. 
Uh, I'm going to close just by uh, praying for Christians known to us who are sick at the moment and to try and riff a bit on this line of the prayer. Asking that God's name be hallowed, that his kingdom advance, that his will be done uh, in them and through their situations. Uh, Why don't we pray together? Heavenly Father, we pray for those in the church family who are all known to us who are suffering through sickness. We ask that your name would be hallowed in the midst of their illness. That you would glorify your name by healing them and that in the meantime your name would be honoured in the way that they respond to their sickness, looking to you for health and for hope. We pray for the coming of your kingdom. That in a culture where health is so prized, suffering Christians might look forward to the new creation and draw strength and soul joy from the hope of a perfect resurrection body. We ask that as they live looking to that future which you promise, you would give them opportunities to share the hope that they have, to speak of the God who raises from the dead. We pray that your will might be done in their lives, on earth as it is in heaven. We know from the Bible that your will includes making every believer more like Jesus. That you do that by renewing our minds and transforming our hearts. So we pray that your spirit would bring your word to their minds. That they would be fed with the words that come from your mouth. Even where sickness isolates believers from Christian fellowship. And we ask that in all the pressures of pain and changed circumstances, those who are ill would grow to depend more upon your grace, trust more in your sovereignty, and so glorify you as they come to a deeper knowledge and enjoyment of the depth and breadth of your love for them in Jesus Christ. For yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever.